0: Hey y'all, it's Janice. Welcome to the Dirty Diversity Podcast. This is a place where we will be exploring equity, racism and diversity. I am a DEI consultant, educator, writer and professor who strives to center my work around the liberation of black folks globally. More specifically, I examine and unpack how we can create structures that support the most marginalized folks in the workplace. This is a podcast where I will share my thoughts on all things diversity, equity, inclusion, racism, anti-racism, and black liberation. My goal is to stimulate your mind and shift you to think in a way that you've never considered before. This podcast will feature my thoughts as well as the perspectives of different folks doing related work. If you want to learn more, Pick up my best-selling books, Dirty Diversity and The Pink Elephant, where I explore workplace equity in more detail. Thank you for listening. Hey, y'all. J. Nice on the mic. Back with another episode of the Dirty Diversity podcast. Just as a reminder, if any of you listening are interested in learning more about LinkedIn, particularly as a business owner, how can you leverage LinkedIn to help you find the clients that need the products and services you are offering, or how can you increase, and rather, how can you increase your visibility and brand awareness? Well, I am somewhat of a, what would would I call myself? I am a LinkedIn evangelist. I was going to say guru, but I don't like the term guru, right? But I would call myself a LinkedIn evangelist, and I've learned a lot about LinkedIn over the last few years and how to leverage it in your business to gain visibility and for clients to find you. So I am hosting a webinar on the first day of summer in the Northern Hemisphere, June 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern, I'm hosting a webinar on how to leverage LinkedIn as an entrepreneur. So if any of you have thought about how can I use LinkedIn more or you are interested in just understanding how LinkedIn can be utilized as a business owner to establish yourself in whatever field or area you are in, you definitely don't want to miss this webinar. The information and the link to save your seat is the first link in the show notes. So be sure to check it out. So we are in June. Happy June, y'all. Juneteenth is just a few weeks away. But I saw this really, really interesting article from Harvard Business Review that I wanted to unpack for today's episode. So the article is called When Blind Hiring Advances DEI and When It Doesn't. And the article was written by Sean Fath, I believe is how you say their name. And it was a really interesting article. I'm not connected with Sean, but somebody, I guess, liked the post that Sean made on LinkedIn. And so I had a chance to check out the article and it was really interesting. So as I was reading the article, I was like, yo, Sean, literally, it seems like Sean read part of my book. Because there's a chapter in my forthcoming book, Decentering Whiteness in the Workplace, where I talk about whiteness in workplace policies. And I talk more specifically about whiteness in hiring. And so I am so glad to see that this conversation is getting more attention, especially in such a notable publication like Harvard Business Review. So essentially, I thought that it would be talking more about like how anonymous resumes aren't effective, right? Because it seemed like from the title, that's what the article was gonna tell me, but it actually, to me, made more of an argument or strengthened the argument about the power of anonymous hiring and anonymous resumes. So I'm actually not gonna use the term blind hiring or blind resumes, even though that's a term that's still widely used. And the reason for that is because I feel like the term blind resumes and blind hiring to me is a bit ableist and so i would rather use the term anonymous hiring and anonymous resumes but the author used the term blind hiring in the article which is in the show notes if you want to check it out or read more so the article starts off by talking about the famous example of the orchestra right so the orchestra started doing uh started implementing a system where they would blindfold when people were trying out for the orchestra they would blindfold or they would cover the or they had a curtain essentially where folks would be um folks would be trying out so that you didn't know whether the person trying out was a a man or woman and essentially they were trying to close the gender gap because they like in many industries there was more of a propensity to hire men so they figured that if they if they implemented like an, a blind or an anonymous system where the evaluators weren't able to see who was auditioning, that it would lead to a closing of the gender gap and more women being hired into that particular industry, right? And so I remember reading about the orchestra, orchestra study and I think that they had like a curtain at first, but then what they were finding was that the evaluators were able to identify the women candidates because they were more likely to wear heels. And if they heard their heels clicking on the floor, they'd be like, woman, right? And so I guess they've evolved the study or the, the anonymous system over time, but they found that uh, implementing that sort of like anonymous system where folks aren't able to see the excuse me the gender of the applicant was effective at increasing gender diversity right so the author of the article talks about whether more organizations should be implementing anonymous hiring practices in their organizations and institutions right and so one of the things i talk about in my book decentering whiteness in the workplace is name bias right And how when you look at a resume, they've done a number of studies in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. where they found that essentially, like, people with more white-sounding names or more European-sounding names are more likely to get the job, right? They did this study in Sweden where they looked at and they compared people with Swedish-sounding names and people with Arab-sounding names. And what they found was that, unsurprisingly, people with Arab-sounding names got fewer callbacks for their resumes than folks with... Swedish sounding names, right? So name bias is a very pervasive issue. And so one of the solutions to increase diversity in the workplace, racial diversity specifically, right, has been to implement an anonymous resume or anonymous hiring system. So one of the things that the article says is that research suggests that blind hiring only boosts interview rates for members of traditionally disadvantaged groups. So let's just say folks of the global majority when used by companies that typically underselect select applicants from these groups for interviews, right? So one of the things is like making the assumption that if you're in the larger pool of organizations and institutions that struggle to even get racially diverse candidates in the pipeline, right, for interviews, then implementing an anonymous like hiring system or anonymous resume system would be really, really effective, right? Because, and this is another thing I talk about in my book, but like applicant tracking systems have a history of discriminating against disadvantaged groups. And so if your your applicant tracking system could be unintentionally Or intentionally, based on who you ask, could be unintentionally pushing people of the global majority out of your talent pipeline, right? Or out of your uh, talent pool. And so, implementing an anonymous hiring system is effective if you are a company that already struggles to interview or to have people in your pool who are from underrepresented racial groups. So that was one of the important takeaways, right? If your company is does not struggle with that, right, then anonymous resumes is not necessarily something or anonymous hiring pro, uh, practices is not necessarily something that will help because it's really helping to like get more people into the pool. And the resume is a huge part of that where people could be, pushed out because they don't, quote unquote, have, you know, because of their name, because of the school they graduated from. And all of these could be indicators of a person's race. But that was one of the main takeaways is like if your organization already struggles to interview non-white candidates and people from the global majority, then implementing an anonymous resume system can be really powerful for your organization. Also, another really important point, which I also talked about, that's why I'm saying the author, he he read, he read one of the chapters in my book. Cause it's it's a lot of this is exactly what I talk about, right? So if you are hiring for a position that is very specialized and where you need specific credentials, like a certain like higher degree or certain certificates or you need to graduate from a university that is like a tech university, for example, then implementing a anonymous resume system might not necessarily help because once you get those people from the global majority into your interview process, right, or you get them into your pool, they might be, once a hiring manager looks at their resume and their credentials, they might be unconsciously pushed out because they don't have the quote-unquote necessary um, credentials to do the job in my book i talked about my aunt she works at a or she worked at a large metro system in the northeast and she talked to me about how this metro system which is one of the biggest in the country has certain criteria for who they hire. And she's like, a lot of that criteria is BS, according to her. And she's like, you don't really need that to do these jobs, right? But that's pushing people of marginalized racial groups out because they don't have those credentials. And so there is research that indicates that Women are less likely to apply for jobs if they feel like they don't have all the credentials. Women will wait until they have like 100 percent of the credentials before applying compared to men who literally don't have to possess any of the credentials or the the requirements for a job before applying. Right. And so couple that with the fact that if you're a woman of color uh, or a woman of the global majority, You might be even less likely to apply if you see, oh, I need to come from this university and have all of these credentials. I know for me, imposter syndrome, which doesn't even exist, right? Imposter syndrome was a very real thing that I experienced where I was like, I don't know if I possess all of the necessary qualifications. And that might have kept me from applying to certain jobs. So one thing that the article, the second takeaway for me is that if you're, in an organization that prioritizes certain requirements and credentials implementing a anonymous resume system might not help you with hiring more racially diverse candidates because the specific systems that you've used to evaluate candidates are inherently biased right and so the third takeaway for me and one that I talk about also <laughs> in my uh, forthcoming book, Decentering Whiteness in the Workplace, is like how you can't just anonymize the resume and think like automatically you're gonna get racial diversity in your workplace. What else are you doing to ensure that people from underrepresented racial groups have an opportunity, have an equal opportunity to be hired, right? Aside from anonymous resumes, what are some other things that you're doing? I talk about in my book being intentional about creating pipelines of non-white candidates, right, uh, creating an internship program and being intentional about selecting candidates that may not possess all of the, quote unquote, requirements or credentials, right? I worked with Amazon on their apprenticeship program where uh, they had this I was doing workshops and facilitating conversations with their apprentices who were mostly black and Latin A students, high school students in the northern Virginia or DC area. And I think that they didn't necessarily like possess all of this the uh, requirements. That would have got them hired for positions in Amazon, but it was getting their foot in the door, right? Which is really, really powerful. So Amazon was building their own talent pipeline of black and Latine individuals, right? So they were building their own. So what are you doing in addition to anonymizing the resume, right? And I talk about this in my... So I have a course for Udemy Business. Udemy is just like a website where you can get different, find different courses, right? And I have a course in Udemy Business called Recruiting and Retaining Underrepresented Talent. And I will link it in the show notes. But I talk about this in detail, right? I talk about um, barriers to recruiting diverse talent and barriers to retaining diverse talent. And so one thing you want to think about, and you want to think about um, even uh, enrolling in the course, right? It's fairly inexpensive but i i packed the course with lots of information is like what addition like what are the strategies you're going to utilize you can't just do one thing right so it's like if you want to gain weight right i have a friend who's like i need to gain weight i'm too skinny you can't just eat more food you have to be doing multiple things in tandem to see progress right are you also um, in addition to eating more food, are you increasing your protein, right? Because if you want to build muscle, you need protein. Are you mindful of your sleep and your rest? Are you mindful of what you're doing in the gym, right? Because if you're trying to gain weight, you might want to, and of course, I'm not a medical professional, as y'all know, but if you want to lose, uh, gain weight, you might want to think about cutting out or doing less cardio, right? And doing more weightlifting. Um, You also might want to think about like the specific foods that you're eating, right? And not just eating everything in sight, but being really intentional about, again, like making sure there's lots of protein and this and that. Um, You also want to make sure that you are not, maybe you're taking certain medicine that is like, causing you to lose an appetite, right? There's so many factors, right? So you can't just think, and similarly, if you're trying to lose weight, you can't just think that eating less is gonna be the only thing that helps you to lose weight, right? And you could cut out, you could eat less and that might make you lose weight. But what I've realized, uh, for those of you, some of you have listened to my older podcast where I talked about how I was doing bodybuilding for years is you hit a uh, plateau, Right. So if you're cutting and cutting and cutting, right? I was cutting carbs, you hit a plateau and your body, our bodies are so intelligent and our bodies adapt, right? So once your body starts adapting and learning, oh, you're trying to cut my calories. So I'm gonna hold on to whatever you feed me, I'm I'm gonna hold on to it. I'm not gonna lose any more weight because I wanna my our bodies are programmed for survival. If our bodies feel like we're limiting our food intake. Our body's going to hold on to over time, right? It's going to learn our habits. So you have to change things up. And it might be like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. So I say all that to say, like, you can't just be doing one thing if your problem is very vast, right? And the problem of recruiting underrepresented talent, recruiting racial, racially diverse talent is not just a, like, we're going to implement anonymous resumes and the problem will be resolved, right? No, it's multiple things that are done in tandem that will help you to recruit underrepresented talent. So one of the things I talk about, and I offer a free rubric in my book, is like making sure that you're evaluating candidates based on a set of core competencies that are agreed upon by everyone that's doing the evaluation and everyone is on the same page. And I even think that um, training the hiring managers to make sure that they're on the same page is imperative. I'm actually um, I volunteered as a there's um, Pharrell, the rapper slash singer slash producer Pharrell, who's also from the 757. Shout out to my Virginia people. Um, but Pharrell, I'm kind of looking at him funny because of how he's treated the singer Khalees. But that's neither here nor there. so. Pharrell has this program where he um, he supports entrepreneurs who are like rising, right? And so there is a program where you get grants. And um, so I'm one of the judges who's judging applicants. And so I was given like 10 different applicants and I read through a portfolio of their business plan. They had a short video about what their business is about. and And so I read through their applications. And my job was to assess who I think is most fitting or has the best sort of like business model or is most deserving of the grants, right? So I rate them and evaluate them, which I love that system of like numeric evaluations, right? I think it was on a scale of one to five. And prior to evaluating the grant, the potential grant recipients, we had a training, and so we went through, it was a lot of us, it was probably over 100 of us, we went through and we were trained on the expectations, what to be looking for, all of these things. And so you need to implement something similar in your workplace where you're training your hiring managers and your recruiters and all of them should be on the same page as far as what criteria we're evaluating, what we're looking for. And there should be something very clear as far as like, what you're hiring for, right? I talk about this in the book, like my experiences on hiring committees. It should be very clear what each evaluator should be looking for in the candidates, right? So you want to make sure that in addition to anonymous resumes, you're introducing multiple strategies so that you can address or increase rather the diversity in your um, candidates, right? So um, I think those were the main takeaways from the article. It was a really, really interesting article that I've linked below. So that is where I will leave today's episode. I think you should definitely consider introducing an anonymous resume system into your wor- workplace. If you're a small organization, you could definitely hire someone like me or an external consultant to anonymize your resumes and CVs. Or you could ask get an intern to do it right At the university I was working at, I was really trying to get them to introduce an anonymous resume system. I emailed the um, the diversity manager and nothing was really done, but I was like, my students could intern and could do this where they're going through. 100 CVs, and they're removing demographic identifiers. So that's a very simple job for an intern to do, and they can do it fairly quickly. If you're a large organization, there's programs you can purchase that will do that for you, right? But I think it's definitely something you can consider, especially if you're listening and you are part of an organization where there is a difficulty recruiting talent from underrepresented racial groups. So that is where I will leave off today's episode. I hope you all found this informative, interesting. Be sure to pre-order my book, Decentering Whiteness in the Workplace. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the podcast as a independent creator. It helps with the visibility of the podcast and any other resources you may need are also in the show notes. So I love y'all and thank y'all so much for tuning in.